Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of That's Debatable. I'm Miles Avalos. And I'm Creed Finnefrock. On this show, we break down a complex political issue and debate it. And today we're going to be debating if businesses should be able to lobby to the government monetarily and otherwise. And we just want to remind you that during this show, we're going to be saying things and those things that we say don't always represent our own beliefs or the beliefs and values of KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. Uh, There's just a little heads up for that. Uh, And I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to be representing the side that says political lobbying should be allowed from big businesses and Miles is going to be arguing against that. So the first reason why big businesses and businesses otherwise should be allowed to lobby politically is because they're the ones who actually know what's going on in those areas that they work in. So if they're going to these government people and then letting them know like, hey, this is what's going on in our areas. Here's the laws you could make to provide a better market for us and other companies in this area. That's how you should do it. Because otherwise, these people in politics don't necessarily know what's going on in those areas. They won't be able to make as good of laws or, you know, help out the country as well. And they won't have as much knowledge as what's going on. So the one way that these big businesses lobby is by providing information on what's going on in those areas. Well, oftentimes these big businesses are lobbying for their own personal profit. And so it's not necessarily like a broader community concern. I mean, it could be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And by allowing them like special access, essentially, to our politicians, we're kind of letting them take advantage of the system and get like a disproportionately great voice in our politics compared to our citizens and smaller businesses that don't have that same influence. Yeah, but it's not always monetary. That's the thing. So you don't have to pay money just to talk to, you know, someone in politics at all. So people, even with smaller businesses, like smaller, let's say farming communities, uh, they could lobby in a sense by going as a group, maybe and reaching out to some of these political people who are making laws and things like that. So it's not just for the big businesses either. The big businesses often do have more money to give and often can get some more help, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think the way that it's set up right now is it's just kind of unfair to like individuals specifically. And how is that? How How is that unfair to individuals specifically? Because issues that apply to individual people, but not the business aren't going to be highlighted as much. And you say like it doesn't have to be with money, but oftentimes it is. And so allowing businesses to have that monetary advantage is going to be very powerful because they're essentially buying out the politicians. In a sense, I think politicians have become dependent on the money that businesses have given them because businesses can directly control the outcomes of laws sometimes that Congress makes just by throwing dollars at them. Like, it's kind of like a legal bribery. Do you have any examples of something like that happening? Because I know that people can put in more money and that'll help influence the ideas of these politicians but usually it's just helping promote those politicians to get get them uh viewed more by other people in most lobbying it's not necessarily they're paying straight straight up to actually get their ideas promoted it's what they're doing is they're paying money to get this politician promoted or into the wider view so that more people will vote for that politician and that politician's ideas well it's it's different there's two types of lobbying there's Direct lobbying, which is like negotiating with and paying directly to the politician in question to in attempts to directly influence their vote. And then there's also grassroots lobbying, 
which is marketing more to the public and getting them to like write letters and yeah. like vote the way you want. So I see. There's there's a difference there. Yeah, but do you have any examples of lobbying directly affecting a ruling? Yeah, I have a quote from Jill, Jimmy Williams, who was a former lobbyist. He said, over the years, the work began to weigh on me. Every fundraiser was yet another legal bribe. Every committee hearing, I'd look up and think, I just bought his vote. And every time I got a bill passed, or better yet, killed, I'd think to myself, that wouldn't have worked if I had, hadn't bought the outcome. So you're getting this from the mouth of a former lobbyist that's saying that he's literally buying people's votes. Yeah, that sounds a lot like bribery. Um, and, it, you know, there is an effect of lobbying where it is, you know, you can say, yeah, maybe they do buy something like that then. And I guess that would make sense. But what they're doing with lobbying, there's a difference between lobbying and bribery. Bribery is directly buying an outcome, whereas lobbying is influencing an outcome. Um, lobbying is not guaranteed that what you put in is going to come out the way you want it. Whereas bribery, what it does is it forces whoever you're bribing to actually come out with the result you're wanting. Um, and it's because of this that lobbying is legal in America and some of those things. Um, and why bribery isn't legal in America. So yeah, that. It's definitely an interesting quote that kind of opens up to the world of lobbying, but in it's not in all cases that lobbying directly affects an outcome. It just influences it, and it helps. What lobbying does, too, is it helps raise awareness for people who are maybe outside of these companies. Maybe a company is really liking one candidate, and they're investing in their campaign, and because companies are required to show who they're donating to or... Uh, lobbying for uh, maybe people who see that would be like oh this company that I really like is promoting this person maybe I should do some research on them so that's another effect of lobbying where it helps create more awareness about certain issues and politicians let's do a hypothetical let's say that Amazon the mega billion dollar tech company is petitioning the government is lobbying the government that they shouldn't have to let their workers unionize. and then But then the workers come to Congress and they say that they should be allowed to unionize. The Congress, even though they might hear both sides, they'd be more inclined to agree with Amazon because of the money that they're getting from them and because of how important they are. Yeah, that might be something that could happen, but the amount of uproar that would come from that might also prevent... Uh, Congress to take that. They'd also probably not take Amazon seriously at all if they pr proposed something like that. Uh, they could if Amazon really wanted to push all their chips in on that and put in a ton of money. But, you know, it's also, once again, not guaranteed for Amazon to win something like that. And there would be probably a lot of people who would try to leave Amazon after that <laughs> occasion, too. Yeah. So it's something that Amazon wouldn't necessarily try to do. I get that it's a hypothetical, but in that case, it probably wouldn't turn out that way either with Amazon winning. Um, yeah, that's just kind of an example. Like, yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't like actually happen. But another thing is that America's government system is based on something called the advantage of the defense. And so it takes a lot to get a bill passed. There's a lot of veto, veto steps and things like that along the way. And so all it takes to stop legislation from being passed is to convince one governor or one like chairman of a committee in Congress to veto a bill. 
So by getting to that one person, you can prevent like the whole system from going as it should. Yeah. But then you also have to think, you know, if one person is lobbying for them to be to veto it, there could also be people lobbying to say, yeah, keep keep it going. Um, so it's not guaranteed, you know, it's not everybody's not just lobbying for one side in these situations usually. So that's part of why lobbying's uh, not considered a bad thing in many cases is because there's many different sides to it. Um, and it's not like, you know, once again, it's nothing's guaranteed in these situations. There definitely is influence. That's the whole point of lobbying. But there's no guarantee that if one company puts their vote in for a veto, maybe another company puts a vote in for it to keep going. And that doesn't mean the person who's in that, who has that political power is even going to pay attention to those uh, lobbying things. They might appreciate some of it, but that doesn't mean they're going to, you know, take it strictly as how it's supposed to be. You were saying earlier that there might be people on both sides lobbying to the government, but I'd, I'd say that in most cases, there's usually one side that's more powerful and has a stronger voice. Yeah. That, like, for example, uh, the National Education Association uses these different strategies when they're lobbying to Republicans versus Democrats. Uh, when Democrats are in power, they use direct lobbying, which, as I said earlier, was like talking directly to them and paying them money and stuff like that mm -hmm. because they have something called insider access with them. But when Republicans are in power, these more grassroots lobbying, which, as I said earlier, is more like appealing to the public. And so different companies are going to have different levels of power with the government and even just with each side. Yeah. Uh, can you remind me again, which side, what would, what would they do for Democrats versus Republicans? Um, with Democrats, it was direct lobbying. With Republicans, it was uh, grassroots lobbying. Okay. So another interesting thing is called the revolving door. And it's where 42% of representatives and 50% of senators become lobbyists after retiring from, from Congress. This gives them a 1,400% pay raise and they make millions of dollars after that. And so what special interests do, like organizations and businesses that lobby to the government, is that they'll say that they'll hire the government official to become a future lobbyist. And this gives them huge leverage over the government and that individual, because they're just gonna, they're likely going to vote the way you want them to in order to cement their place with that company and that future salary. So what I'm saying is that we shouldn't be letting special interests that could pretty much ensure you a, a salary of millions of dollars in the future to essentially control how you vote right now. Yeah, and that I'd say is definitely a problem with lobbying. Overall, lobbying is considered a good thing. It creates more of an awareness uh, between people and also brings in uh, more ideas and actual opinions and it helps create, you know, actually more contribution from the general public into politics. And that's a good thing about lobbying, but there are issues with it, as in the revolving door or special interests. Um, and if those things could be changed or regulated in a way that makes it fair for more people, then it would be something that overall lobbying would be most likely considered a lot better and open to everyone. Um, there is, you know, if people don't like lobbying laws, they're probably able to lobby to actually get those laws changed. So that's another good part about lobbying is that it's what it does is that it's not just these politicians who have political power in that sense. And you can actually get your vote 
more publicized and actually help get the politicians that you like into those places to help your views uh, get promoted or put in place. To reiterate my points from before, uh, for every $1 spent by big businesses on lobbying, they get $760 back in tax breaks and government support. So that's pretty much saying that it is indeed the money that is doing a lot of the talking in these negotiations. And that's money that people that aren't in big businesses, just people like you and me, don't have access to. So they have less of a voice. Yeah, and that's something that probably isn't that great about lobbying itself. Um, but, you know, what's fortunate is that there are other ways to lobby, as you said, um, and as I've made a point of. But also, that is something that is considered an issue. Uh, and there are acts out there currently who are trying to change lobbying, uh, one of which is called the American Anti-Corruption Act that is trying to prevent some things like that where these businesses will get, you know, kind of like bribery or somewhat corruption in that sense. So there's ways that people are trying to work towards preventing something like that. Yeah. The American Anti-Corruption Act it limits the fundraising power of lobbyists and it prevents people in Congress from being becoming lobbyists. So like closing that revolving door that we were talking about earlier. And it also stops uh, the government from accepting donations from interests that they're directly involved in re regulating. Yeah. Um, I think there is a massive part of lobbying that is good. You know, it does bring in a lot of voices and a lot of people who know what's going on in those areas of the world um, because we can't expect these politicians to know everything that's going on. That's the main reason that lobbying is good is that it, these politicians don't know what's going on around the world a lot of the time in, in specific areas. And so what lobbying does obviously is trying to give them information and then also promote, you know, what those areas want done without necessarily telling whoever that politician is um, exactly the reasons behind it all. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, obviously, the government isn't going to know everything about every field that's out there. But I think maybe it might be better to have like an independent group present the information to Congress instead of people that have a high finan financial incentive that might just be saying stuff because it makes them a profit. Yeah, but, well, I mean, presenting things to Congress is a bit of an issue because they can't constantly be presented with all these new things all of the time. I mean, they've got other things to do as Congress. Their their job as Congress is to do things, not to always be taught, you know, by a specific group, like, oh, this is how this part of the world works. And so that's why lobbying is helpful, is it just gets straight to the point with this is what you're doing is good. We like it. Keep doing it. It's helping us. And if they don't get people lobbying towards them, they're probably like, ah, maybe that this isn't exactly how this area wants me to do things. And so it gives these politicians ideas of how they want things to work or how people themselves want things to work. And as you said, uh, people by themselves don't necessarily have great amounts of money to pour into lobbying. But as a group, if there's a group of like-minded people, it's very easy for them to help uh, influence some of these politicians in what they want to happen. So there's a list of industries that have spent the most money on lobbying over the years. And pharmaceutical companies are actually at the top of the list 
spending nearly $5 billion since 1998. And a lot of that money is going to prevent bills, for example, that control price regulation on medicine, something that seems like pretty common sense. And so I'd say that lobbying in that case is going against the greater good. The greater good. Yeah. I mean, that's a big pharma type thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, stuff. I think there was something that I remember. Uh, EpiPens. Their price yeah. is insanely high in America, whereas in other countries around the world, it's pretty cheap. Like, you can find an EpiPen for a cheaper amount of mo- dollars. But, you know, it's an EpiPen's worth worth its weight in gold kind of in america which is which is an issue so there are issues with lobbying but i think the whole argument for my side in this debate is that lobbying overall is a good thing and brings in good things that isn't to say that there's issues with it um because i think pretty much everyone can agree with (laughs) lobbying having some types of issues so yeah it is pretty outrageous the cost that they do for epipens I think it's several hundred dollars. I, I remember it being somewhere around that price. I've needed a couple of, well, I've needed to have them on hand a few times because um, I've had some bad allergies. So I always remember my mom would complain about EpiPen prices uh, when I was younger. Yeah. And then, you know, it would be my fault because I'm the one allergic. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely something that there is an issue with lobbying. Um, and there are people trying to change it. So it's not that lobbying is restricted itself completely and it's indefinitely going to be one way. So it's a good thing that, you know, lobbying is open open to change. Yeah. And your response kind of covers this as well, but also companies like oil and gas, they, they've spent $2.5 billion since 1998. A lot of that trying to keep fossil fuels alive and probably prevent more clean energy. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different debate, too, Yeah. because there are, you know, there are many advantages to fossil fuels over other types of energy, um, but then there are certain clean energies that are definitely very useful, and we did a whole show on nuclear energy, so you could listen to that one, too. That yeah. one was a fun show. <laughs> Seems like every debate we do, climate somehow ties back climate into it. Climate <laughs> finds a way into everything, <laughs> probably because we live in it, yeah. but <laughs> I think that's probably going to wrap up this show. Uh, Once again, we wanted to remind you that everything we say uh, and we present in these shows don't necessarily represent our own beliefs or the beliefs of KMIJD89 The Bridge. What we're trying to do is bring you both sides to a situation and let you, the listener, decide what you believe in and how you're going to approach it. Uh, Make sure you do your own research, too. We are not the only people who know what's going on in these types of things. There's great resources online. That's where we find a lot of our information. So make sure to go uh, do your own research, too. You can listen to our show every Thursday. Well, hopefully every Thursday at 7 a.m. We've been getting a little off track with the uploads. And Christmas is coming up. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> there's going to be some winter break stuff. In, yeah. But we're going to try to grind in a couple episodes. Uh, definitely try to keep it consistent at one episode per week and keep those uh, good episodes for you to listen to. Mm-hmm. And make sure to listen to us on Spotify under the name That's Debatable. Once again, this has been That's Debatable, signing out. On KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, make sure to stay tuned for more music and conversation that spans generations.